Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you and help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. Well, good morning, church. Guys, I am excited about this series. I've, I've really been enjoying it. I hope you're enjoying it too. Uh, I'm excited about it because I believe every one of us wants change in some area of our lives, whether it be in our relationships, our health, um, our thought life, something like that. We want change. And if, you, if you're going to experience change, you have to want it. Because don't you know, there, there's a lot of change that it, we don't necessarily even want all the change that's available to us. In fact, I can think back a couple years ago, uh, my daughter Kayla, who's sitting on the front row right now, um, she was watching TV in another room. And, and she, she paused the TV and she hollers at me, hey dad, you've got to see this. I'm saying, okay, she probably saw some game or some toy that she really wanted me to like buy for her or something like that. So I come into the room, I'm like, all right, girl, what you got? Well, show, show me what you got here. And she unpauses the show and, and it's, it's set on a commercial and it's a Rogaine commercial. <laughs> and she's like, dad, we could regrow your hair. Like, What makes you think I want my hair regrown, right? Like bald is beautiful, okay? You don't mess with the good thing. <laughs> I got mad. I'm like, you kidding me? I was thinking about regrow my hair. Girl, go clean your room, right? Like, we don't necessarily want all change. But the, the truth is, if you're going to experience change, you have to want it. You really have to want it. And then this series, we're talking about the power to change. And we have things in our lives we want to see change. How many people in this room would say, I've got some area in my life I want to see change in right now? Yeah. Yeah, that's most of us. So let me tell you this. I, I, I believe that there is a powerful verse that as we get into it. This is one of the keys God shows us in order for us to be able to experience the change that we want. Because we see that Paul says a very powerful thing to the church in Rome, to this letter to the Roman people. In chapter 12, verse 2, he says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'm going to say that again. It is such a powerful verse. And I know many of you, you're familiar with it. You've pinned it. You've, you, you put it on Instagram. You, you know the verse, but I want to focus on it a little bit today. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, what Paul says is significant, but who he says it to is profound. Because who Paul is speaking to when he's talking about transformation, when he's talking about change, he's speaking to Christians. He's talking to the church in Rome. He's talking to people that have already decided to trust their eternal life into the hands of Jesus Christ. They've already decided, okay, we recognize we have a sin issue and we can't fix the sin issue on our own. So we're going we're gonna to be thankful for and receive the fact that Jesus died for our sins and we believe in him. So I, I'm going to make him the leader of my life, the, the Lord of my life, and I'm going to uh, allow him to be the forgiver of my sins. He'll be my savior. So 
to Christians who say, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. That is who Paul's talking to, where he says, you've got to be changed. You've got to be transformed. Well, wait a minute. He's not talking to the world. Recognize this. He's not talking to the world saying, you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He's talking to Christians. That suggests to us that you can experience salvation. You can have a home forever in heaven with Jesus tied up. You know when you die, you're going to be in heaven. You can have that tied up and still not experience transformation. Here on this life, the type of life where where you see the changes happening, you see prosperity and you see health and you see the type of life that God blesses. He's saying, listen, don't, don't just settle for salvation when you can experience transformation for this life here as well. We've got to recognize that that this is something powerful for us to all buy into. You, you don't just start a relationship with Jesus and then expect that, that everything's gonna be fine. And he's saying, no, there are some things in your life that need to be changed. And you do that, you do that by transforming your mind. So we're in this series, The Power to Change, and in part three today, we're, we're calling it A Changed Mind. And I wanna go ahead and just dive into this. So I wanna ask you, would you pray with me before we dive into this today? A changed mind, a changed mind. So Heavenly Father, thank you for every person in this room. And I believe, God, that you want to do a transforming work in our lives. So I pray that this wouldn't just be uh, something uh, that, that we learn and think that's neat, but no, God, we pray that it would get into us and it would, it would change the way we do life, it would change the way we think, and that, that, God, we would resemble the type of prosperity and life that you have for, in store for us. We want everything that you have in store for us, Heavenly Father, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. I want to ask you again, how many of you would say, I, I want to see some change in my life? Give me a woot woot or something like, like talk to me. All right. Do, do you ever wonder why at church, why, why do people talk back at church? You ever wonder that? I, I, I feel like sometimes people come in, you, you hear someone down front going, oh, come on. Or you, you hear, amen. And you think, man, those are the emotional people down there, right? Like, I'm cool to just sit here. Well, there's actually a reason why we do that. The, the, the word amen, when you hear people shout out amen, that's not just an old timey word. It's a word that means let it be so. And in the book of Matthew, we see that Jesus in chapter 18 is speaking to us. And he says, when, when any of us agree upon anything, he says, my father in heaven will do that for you. What a powerful, powerful thing for Jesus to say. So when someone says something like, oh, come on, or amen, what they're saying is, I want that to be the case in my life. Let it be so. So when, when you're in church and you hear, uh, like God's word is showing us that, that we can have uh, fidelity, we can have faithfulness in our lives. When we hear that and we say, amen, we're saying, God, I want faithfulness in my marriage. I want that to be the case for me. When you hear that, that God can open your eyes and he can open your ears to where you can experience him more. That's where it's like, oh, come on, God, I want some of that with me. And we start talking back and we're doing it because he said, we're coming in agreement with his word. How many of you want to agree with God's word and experience what he wants for you? So I want to encourage you, like, like I know there's, there's such a respect in our culture where we're like, let's just, let's get in there and let's not, let's not disturb the pastor while he's talking. Disturb me. Let's, let's get excited about the fact that God wants to change us. So here we got Paul and he's talking to a group of believers and he's going, guys, 
Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, it's a powerful principle because it suggests to us that we don't change our life by trying to change our life. That's what a lot of us do naturally. We have some symptomatic problem in our life and we think if I could just get my health under control, that's gonna be what I'll focus on. I'll work on a, a work, focus on working on my health or if I could just get my thought life under control, if I just get this sin pattern under control. We, we look at all these different things. If I can just fix that, then I'll be fine. And Paul says, no, that's not the way it works. That's not the way it works. If you want to see your life change, you, you gotta, it starts with your head. If you wanna see your life change, you gotta change your mind first. See, wherever God is leading you, he's, he, he's gonna bring your head out first. And then once he brings your head out, your life is gonna follow. So if you can't get your money out, you get your head out first. You change the way that you think. If you can't get your relationship out, you get your head out first. You're coming out of, see, God is gonna bring you into the next season of growth and change in your life head first. In fact, high five the person next to you and tell them, I'm coming out head first. I'm coming out head first. Yeah, now that person you just ignored, turn to the other one and tell them, get your head out. Sorry, I'll clean that up a little. <laughs> Get your head out. See, God changes us by getting our head out first. And, and for some of you, you already are recognizing that as we're making some changes in our life and we're committing to pray together in this 40 days of prayers, we're doing this. You already start to recognize that God is snatching your head out of your old way of thinking. And you can already feel it now where you're like, you know, I used to be able to get away with things that I can't get away with anymore. And areas where I used to be comfortable, I'm not comfortable with anymore. How many of you know, as you start submitting to God and trusting him and praying with him, he'll start making it to where like things you used to be comfortable with, you're not comfortable with anymore. You can't even sin the way you used to sin. Anyone experienced that before? I can't, even, I can't even sin the way I used to sin. And that's not a challenge. Like I'm not saying like, I don't go back and see you if you can. That's not the goal here. The, the goal is we start recognizing the more we cooperate with God, he changes our mind about things. He starts transforming my mind and where I used to be comfortable there, I, I'm not comfortable there anymore. I don't think that way. That environment that, that used to feel safe to me no longer feels safe to me anymore because I don't fit there. See, he's, he's snatching my head out first. He's changing the way I think about things. And see, God is calling you to another level, just like he was calling uh, John on the Isle of Patmos. He says, come up here. See, it's the deep in God crying out to the deep in you saying, there's more for you. There's more for you in store. And, and there's change for you. There's transformation for you. If you'll just cooperate with this one area of your life that, that will fix everything that as far as the transformation is concerned. And that's starting to cooperate with God, changing your mind. You see, it starts there. It starts with the mind because your mind is a powerful thing. That's why the enemy fights you in your mind so much. The battle is in your mind. It's, it's not in your stuff. I mean, you start hanging out with church people. Church people will say the weirdest things. Have you ever recognized this? You hang out with church people enough and you'll hear them say something like, my car just broke down. Can you believe that? Like the devil's in my car. Can you believe the devil's in my car? Like, what are you talking? Devil ain't in your car. Some woman pulls her phone out. It's like, uh, my phone is just driving me nuts right now. It's like, every time I turn it on, the battery just dies. It's like, the devil's in my phone. 
the devil's not in your phone. You just need to get a charger, plug it in, okay? It's as simple as that. Like, he doesn't want your phone, right? The devil doesn't want your car. He doesn't want your stuff. What he wants is he wants your mind because he knows if he can trap you in your mind, then, then he can keep you stuck in life. If he can trap you in your mind to where you're not allowing God to change you, if you're not allowing God to bring you out head first, then, then, then now you're, you're not being effective in moving forward in the way that God would have you move forward. So he fights you in your mind. And that's why Paul is warning us so much. And there's this encouragement from God that we need to have the type of mind that is ready to be renewed, ready to be transformed, ready to be changed. He said, if you want change in your life, you want your marriage to be better. You want your kids to grow up better. You want change in your life that starts in your mind. And I wonder, do you have a mind that is ready to be changed? Because there's a big difference between having a mind that, that you want change versus having a mind where you're ready for change. It's easy to say you want something, it's, it's harder to prepare for what you actually say you want. Are you ready for the change that you're asking God for? It's easy to say, I want, I want rain to come. God, we want rain to come in our city, but, but it's a lot harder to get out and plow the field when it's, when it's dry and it's hot, to get ready for that rain to come. It's easy to say, God, I want you to rain in my life. I want your grace and your mercy on me. It's a lot harder to say, okay, then I'm gonna stop with all the influences that are coming in from everywhere else and I'm just gonna listen to your voice. So I wonder today, are you ready for the type of life where, where, where you're prepared for the blessing that God wants? Because you recognize our God, he, he takes into account and, and he cares your readiness for his revelation. That he will hold things back for you if you're not ready for it yet. Because he doesn't want it to crush you. He, he, he's going he's gonna to deal with you exactly where you are. It's like when Paul was talking to the church in Corinth and he's saying, listen, there's a lot of cool things that God wants to do for you. And, but I can't even talk to you about those things yet because you're not ready for it. He said this in 1 Corinthians 3.1. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you are not yet ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. In other words, he's saying there are conversations that God wants to have with you, but, but are you even ready for it yet? You know, he's going to hold off on those conversations until we are ready. See, if we want to be the type of people who have change in our life, we have to have a mind that is ready to be transformed a mind ready for renewal. So what I wanna do is I, I just wanna give you three really simple, quick points today uh, of how we can make sure our mind is ready for the type of renewal that God wants for each of us in our lives. So I wanna encourage you, write these things down. I know many of you, you brought in your 40 days of prayer uh, notebooks. Uh, there's a section in there for the sermon, weekend sermon notes. Write these things down. It's gonna be so incredibly helpful to you in order for us to cooperate with the fact that God wants to change us. So here, here we go. A, a mind ready for change. Number one, number one, a mind ready for change is an open mind, an open mind. 
I'm talking about having a mind that is open to the things of God. See, we open our mind to so many things. We open our mind to so much junk from the world and so many opinions from the world. I'm not talking about opening our mind to everything. I'm saying, are we the type of people who are opening our mind to the fact that God can and wants to and still does use people and change people and bless people and heal people? Do you want to be open to the fact that your God loves you and wants to bless you right now? Are you open to the fact that, that, that in the middle of the summer, doing 40 days of prayer, God can intervene in your life and start answering prayers that you, you've hoped and you've wished for for years, and now we're talking to him about it. Are you open to the fact that he can and still does and wants to bless us? See, we see this in scripture that so many times it's our lack of openness, being closed off. So you, you can't walk through an open door with a closed mind. And in scripture, we see that Jesus has to teach this to his disciples because there's a story here where we see Jesus heals a man. And before he can even heal the man, he has to deal with the fact that the people that are with him are closed minded to the fact that God even wants to, that God even could. So we see it here. We see in John chapter nine, verse one, it says, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Man, I read that and I get so angry. Like, how frustrating is it when like, have you ever dealt with something? You've had some sort of brokenness in your life, some sort of issue, you got your junk and, and other people see the junk and instead of looking at how they can help you, they start analyzing why you're jacked up. Am I the only one that's ever experienced that? Like people go, well, really the problem's because his uncle was always that way and his dad's always that way. And, and now it's just, it's that way for them now. And you know, it's because of what he did back then. And it would start analyzing it. And really where this comes from is it comes from a place of being closed-minded to the fact that God still moves, that God still wants to change things. Because uh, we see here that if you don't believe God is going to change your situation, what we start doing is we start the blame game. And we start trying to analyze why we're in the broken situation that we're in. Really, we're here right now because the economy's all jacked up because they voted this person in or they voted that person in. And if my boss would just get things right, if he'd figure it out, then I'd be fine. And it's like we start pointing the finger of blame everywhere because we don't actually believe that God will move. And see, Jesus immediately starts dealing with, with his disciples. He's like, guys, hold on a second. Like now, before I'm even gonna deal with this man, I'm gonna deal with your closed-mindedness. I'm gonna deal with the fact that, that, that you're acting like God doesn't wanna move on your behalf. You're acting like God doesn't wanna bless you. And this is what he does. He says, he, he answers them, neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. He's saying, stop trying to analyze why a person's broken. Stop trying to analyze why you're jacked up. And instead, let's start looking for the fact that God can display his glory right now in your life. Now, right now in the middle of the summer, in the middle of 40 days of prayer, we don't have to wait for Easter Sunday. We don't have to wait for Christmas to expect God to move. Right now, he's saying, we can look for God's glory in, in, in the bleakest of circumstances. So he, he points it out here and then he, he says this, he says, 
As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And after saying this, he spit on the ground and made some mud with his saliva. And he put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seen. A group of people looking at this going, oh, jacked up situation. And Jesus said, no, open your mind to the fact that God can move right now for you, that he wants to move right now. But I wonder, it, let's just be honest. If I was in that man's situation, would I, would I have been open-minded enough to receive this type of a miracle and this type of a blessing? Let, let, let's just try this on. Let, like, uh, cooperate with me for a moment. Close your eyes for a minute. Imagine you're the blind man on the side of the road and you need sight and you hear that Jesus is coming and Jesus walks up to you with your eyes closed right now and you hear, <laughs> right? <laughs> I think a lot of us, you could open your eyes. I think a lot of us would have missed the blessing because we go, hold, hold on, Jesus. Don't you be spitting on me. Like, I know you God and everything, but don't you spit on my, don't you spit on the ground, put mud on my face. Like, I don't need those. That's not what I expected. This is God. God could have just walked up and he could have said, open your eyes. And the man could have saw, but he was, he was open-minded to the fact that maybe God moves not in our area of preference, but in the way that is going to help us understand his goodness. Sometimes God moves not, not just the way that you want to, because we, we, we pray our, our, our bubblegum prayers. God, would you, would you give me the white picket fence? And would you give me this? And would you give me that? And, and we pray like the simplest life possible. And then sometimes God gives us blessings in a way that doesn't look like the simplest life possible. And how often are we closed-minded to the fact that God is delivering a gift and a miracle into your life, but are we rejecting the gift because it didn't come in the truck that I expected it to come in? Maybe we're praying right now for wisdom. God, would you give me wisdom? And then it comes uh, through your wife, and you're like, oh, wait a minute. Hold on now, God, just a second. Like, maybe God sometimes is, is delivering a gift to you, but are we open-minded enough to receive what he has for us? See, for us to have a mind that's, that's ready for renewal, a mind that's ready for change, we have to be open-minded. Mark 9, 23, Jesus said, everything is possible to the one who believes. Everything is possible. Church, do you believe it's possible that God can change you? I believe it's possible. I believe he wants to. I believe in the middle of the summer, when, when people are doing vacations and stuff like that, our church can overflow with people that are coming in because he's transforming our lives. I believe it can be so. I believe he can change us to the point to where our focus is so crystal clear on Jesus being first in our lives that, that now we start to see the fruit of everything he wants to do in us because we're not focused on all of the other options and excuses that can get in the way but it takes being open-minded to the fact that yes, God does wanna bless you. And that brings us to the second point. There's a mind ready for change. Number one is an open mind. Number two is an honest mind. We need an honest mind. A mind ready for renewal is an honest mind. I can't get to where God is trying to take me until I first acknowledge where I am. 
I, I can't adjust what I won't acknowledge. I, I can't fix what I won't face. I can't conquer what I won't confront. I wonder, have you ever known someone who's just completely trapped in their circumstances because they're living in denial and not looking at where we truly are? Like the times I remember sitting on the couch just being so frustrated and telling Amelie, I just, I can't sit, the scale's not moving. I can't seem to lose weight. She's like, Dan, put the Cheetos down and get off the couch. (laughs) Right? I mean, in areas of our lives, we we tend to do that. Like I, I can... I can see why another person, why they have their struggle, but maybe I'm living in denial of why I'm struggling. And, and first we have to acknowledge, this is where I am. And see, when we ask God for change, sometimes he'll show us that we have to be honest with where we are. We get into 40 days of prayer and, and we start recognizing, wait a minute, maybe my prayer life has been shut down and silenced to a point where, where maybe there was a time in my life where I was praying, but now it's gotten silenced to the point where maybe I'm just praying at the occasional mealtime or occasionally with my kids before bed, and you start to get honest with, this is where I'm really at. But see, to be honest, it it takes a a level of um, emotional maturity and emotional intelligence to be able to say, I'm in a bad place, but yet not feel bad about myself. It takes emotional maturity to say, listen, I'm gonna acknowledge that I'm in a really bad place, and it's not because I want to stay there, And I'm not gonna feel bad about myself for being in a bad place, but I'm gonna acknowledge it because I don't intend on staying here. I intend on changing. So if you're mad, say that you're mad. Man, if if you're sad, say that you're sad. If you're you're angry, you gotta say that you're angry. I mean, man, why is it we go through life and we just like put on the fake face and act like everything's okay all the time? Because what it can look like sometimes if we're not honest is, is you're angry. And you go to work and you're fuming about the way the boss handled something or how that meeting went down or you missed that sale. And people ask, you all right? Yeah, I'm fine. Right? No, I'm good. Because you don't seem like, no, I'm good. I'm fine. And then you get home and you cuss at your wife and you kick the dog. And it's like, you, no, I wasn't okay. And I'm stuck there because I wasn't able to acknowledge the fact that I need help. And it takes honesty. It takes getting in front of God and just being like, you know what, God, I do need change. I, I, I need some, some difference here. I, as I've done things my own way, I don't like the result. When, uh, this is something I've said in the past, is like when Dan leads my life, I don't like the result. And that's why I've gotta be honest with God. I'm like, God, I'd rather you lead because I don't like what happens when, when Dan gets a vote. So I've just gotta be honest. By my own means, I, I, I tend to do things wrong. See, the key to this is I'm not saying I'm in a bad place just because I intend on being there, but I'm saying I'm in a bad place because I want to change. See, a changed mind, a mind ready for change is an open mind. It's an honest mind. And that leads us to the last point is a humble mind. A mind ready for change. Number three is a humble mind, a humble mind. See, God can't teach me anything if I already know everything. And I feel like for a lot, of, a lot of us, that's why we've gotten stuck, is we think we already have the answer. We think we've already heard the sermon on it. I listened to a podcast on it. I read the book on it. And, and we start to think, since I already know this, um, I, I don't need to do anything else. I'm good. I'm all right. 
But really, we have to get to a place of humility if we want to see God change us, if you want, we want to see him transform our minds. One of the things Amelie and I recognized uh, as a young couple, we had the opportunity to go to some marriage retreats. And, and it was really interesting because in one particular marriage retreat we went to uh, over in Broomfield, the room was full of people from all different ages and stages. And we recognized that there were couples in the room that had been married for well over 50 years. And and they were sitting there, they were taking furious notes and they were leaning in and they were stopping and asking questions. What do you mean about that? How can we get to a deeper level of communication on? And they're asking all these questions. I'm thinking, they've been married longer than, than the person who's been alive who's teaching this right now. And, and they were at this place where like, listen, I, I don't have it all figured out. And then I think actually the longer you get married, you realize you really don't have it all figured out. And that's maybe where they were because they're like, I got some questions here. The flip side of that is we looked around the room and you could see people who had been married like one, two or three years. And they're just sitting back like, yeah, I already know all this stuff. And see the warning there, what's scary about that is anytime that, that, that you have a prideful and unmovable and unteachable mind is an unmovable mind. And one of the things that my wife says is, is the warning is that any time that you think you've arrived, you have. And that's a danger. It's a danger where as soon as you think you have all the answers, you stop growing. As soon as you think you're the smartest person in the room, you stop learning in your skill. As soon as you think, yeah, I've heard it all before, that's when we stop striving for more. And that's the danger here. And that's where we see in scripture, the men who followed Jesus around, his disciples exhibited this, this beautiful humility because they could have just walked around like, you know who we are. We're the disciples. We hang out with Jesus. We got it all together. We could have seen that. But instead, we, we see that they, they showed such great humility that one day, even when Jesus was praying, I'll go ahead and read it here. Luke 11, 1 says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And these men have been with Jesus for all these years. They, they've watched him and so, and, and they were exposed to the fact that Jesus had something figured out that they didn't have figured out. That Jesus knew more than they did. So they were watching, look, as Jesus prays, his prayers sound more relational. He's talking to, to the heavenly father and, and expecting that the heavenly father is gonna respond and talk back to him that he's being heard right now. We're, we're, not, we're not on that level. So he said, with great humility, they said, there's more that we can learn. Jesus, would you teach us? And thank God for their humility because out of that humility, we then look at the fact that Jesus gives us this beautiful model for prayer what we call the Lord's Prayer, what we're talking about in 40 days of prayer right now, this beautiful model where it's not like Jesus didn't say, I want you to repeat this every day for the rest of your life. He's going, no, pray in this manner. Yeah. Not, not, not repeat it like just speaking to the wall, speaking to the ceiling. He's saying, no, this is how you pray relationally. This is how you talk to the heavenly father who loves you. And he said, I want you to pray this. We wouldn't have this model if the disciples were like, no, nah, we got it. We're good. I got it all figured out. And see, that's where I really hope in my life that I would be the type of person who, who has an open mind to the fact that God wants to bless me, has an honest mind to the fact that I need it, I need change. And then a humble mind to say, you know what? I, I don't have it figured out. I, I wanna keep learning, I wanna keep growing until the day I die. 
Many of you remember the wonderful lady who served on our staff, was a pastor for many years, Jill Buck. You remember her? Wonderful, wonderful woman of God. And I, I remember late into her 80s, um, she would do something that make me so stinking uncomfortable. <laughs> I would come into a room and she would have the gall and the nerve and the audacity to say something like, hey, Pastor Dan, I was reading this text. Would you tell me what you think about that text right there? I'm like, uh, no, I won't. You're like, you've been ministering twice as long as I've been alive. I don't think I, uh, I want to do that. Can we put someone else on the spot, right? But what she was showing as an example for us is that well into her late 80s, she was asking questions going, you know what, I don't have it all figured out and maybe I'm not seeing things the way other people are seeing them. So I want to learn and I want to grow. And guys, I, I believe that God blesses that. I believe that's why we saw her not just be transformed in her own life, but she was able to change so many other people's lives. How many of us went to her for counseling, right? Because she is the type of person who said, I don't have it all figured out, I'm gonna find the answer. I believe God has an answer for this and I'm gonna seek after it until I find it. It takes humility to get there. In church, your God wants to change you. He wants to bless you, he wants to help, he wants to make your dreams come true. Those frustrations that you deal with and you, you lay in bed and think, I can't believe I did it again. I can't believe I went back there again. He, he wants to transform you and take you out of that season where you felt, felt so stuck. And Paul encourages us, guys, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I believe God wants to renew your mind. And it, it takes us just getting right in line with his teaching. Saying, God, I'm open to what you want. Honestly, I need it. And I'm gonna humble myself because as I've done life my way, I've ended up stuck right where I'm at. So I wanna ask every person in this room, just stand to your feet with me right now because as we look at this, a, a mind ready for renewal is an open mind, an honest mind, and a humble mind. A humble mind. A humble mind. Reminds me of the verse that we read last week, a humble mind. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Church, do you want to be heard from heaven? Do, do, you, want, do you want God to, to forgive your sins and heal your land? Then we're gonna continue in this, this posture of humility. God, I need help. I don't like it when I lead. I want you to lead. And I know I'm gonna fight it some days, but I wanna be transformed. I think what I wanna do right now is I, I'm gonna pray over everyone before we leave here in just a moment, but I believe there are many of you in this room. I saw you raise your hand in worship at the end of our worship set saying, there's some circumstances going on in your life that is, is taking your focus and is challenging you and is difficult right now. Uh, how many of you, 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 you said that earlier, you got something right now where you need to see some change drastically? Yeah. Well, this is what I wanna do. I wanna invite our prayer counselors to come forward, our whole prayer team, if they'll just fill up across the front of the stage. I'm gonna pray for our whole church together. 
And then after that, I'm gonna dismiss. But when I dismiss, I'm gonna ask those of you that just raised your hand, like, let's come together just like Matthew 18 says. Jesus said, if you come, any two of you come in agreement in my name, my Father in heaven will do it for you. We would love to come in agreement with you and pray for you to begin to see not just, not, not just your circumstances change, but your entire life change. Because he can do it. He wants to do it. We just have to ask him to intervene. So let me pray and then I'm gonna dismiss those of you that didn't raise your hand. And in fact, um, while I'm praying, if you wanna just go ahead and slip out and be one of the first ones prayed over, come on down right now, but let me pray. Heavenly Father, we humble ourselves before you. And we ask God that you would hear us from heaven. We, we ask you to help us to stop sinning, help us to stop living our lives the way that we tend to do on our own, but instead we want to be led by you. So God, we open our minds to the facts that you want to help us, you want to bless us. We gotta get honest with the fact that we need it, God. And we humble ourselves and say, Jesus, please help us. Help our families, help our health. God, help us in the way that we handle our resources. Help us in every area of our lives. So thank you for each and every person here. We pray that you would continue to change us, God. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Let's give him a shout of praise today. He's good. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10, 9. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week.